0: Welcome everybody! Episode twenty-one of your favorite Overwatch podcast. Screw the other guys; we're better, right? <laughs>
1: oh yeah! <laughs> what a what an introduction that we're we're coming out swinging. Coming out swinging. It's a, twenty-one. It's a new tournament in. cycle. We're uh
0: turned over a new leaf. Good. We're now just better yeah. than everyone. Else. We're,
1: we're we're the bad guy podcast now. Yeah,
0: we're, we're going through our Joker the- arc. <laughs>
1: We're the heel that, that Overwatch needs. Not the one that, that it wants, but the one, one that it needs.
0: Going through our Joker arc, we're just running over everyone else. We're like, nah, get out of the way. <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> get, make way for game. us. This is our oh, yeah. game. Our community. Yeah. yeah. You thought you got rid of us because there were no matches, but nope. Just like the first three times, it's not how this works. Just because there are no we're matches back. doesn't mean you get rid of us. We always have things and, to uh... talk about.
1: There's way too much to talk about. There is a lot. Most of it is like non-existent stuff. It's just kind of, (laughs) but, but it's worth talking about. It's just,
0: it's non-existent stuff that we have bits of information about, but nothing like
1: it's, it's mostly stuff that like in two weeks, if you're watching this video, future people watching this video.
0: I might think we're I'm idiots. sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah look just at look <laughs> at the date this video was published before you judge. Please, the things we talk about.
0: Oh man, but we do have some actual tangible things, of course. With always, we've got news that is not related to the other stuff we're talking about. Uh, various team stuff. Let's start with the first thing that happened, like like two weeks ago. This happened, I think, before the tournament actually happened. Uh, Gladiators parted ways with Ons. Um, I mean, I feel like this shouldn't be a, a too big of a surprise. Like, as soon as they signed Happy, you're kind of like, uh, what's Ons' place is on the team? Yeah. I mean, it it did come out that the Glads had Gladiators had offered Ons like the option to ha- release him before the deadline so that he could potentially join another roster, but he declined that. So I guess That's he he just kind of he just kind of wanted to. Ride it out he didn't want to play the rest of the season I, I hope he i don't know if i don't know if he'll get another chance in another team i feel like he's really streaky and i don't know if that kind of player is really one that's able to
1: well and I there know. are a lot of those players out there right now and i feel like ons isn't the most consistent of those no. like i would say he probably isn't even the most consistent one of those that doesn't have a team and with so many you know new young players that are mm-hmm. like Killing it this year I think teams rather than taking risk With someone like Ons They're just going to sign rookies
0: Yeah true 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 I don't think the gladiators are anywhere Off with this because they have Happy Who definitely fills those shoes As a sniper and honestly even fills The role that Potipon had For when Potipon is still unable to I don't know we haven't heard any word from him So I would imagine at least For right now Happy will be permanently playing So Moving over to APAC, where most of the news is, uh, Hangzhou Spark are activating the clause in their contract that says they have to have 12 players on their roster at all times. (laughs) Uh, They signed Teru as a support, who we all will remember from last year's Vancouver Titans. Attempt of a squad.
1: Oh, yeah. He
0: was a DPS player who then transitioned a little bit over to Brig towards the tail end of the season, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then he went into contenders, I think this last year. I think he was playing for like Team Diamond or something. And now he's on the Spark. And then they also basically, Neko, their coach, just jaked him and has now become a player after being a coach. Uh, I think. I feel like we're we're about to see old spark rear its head again of playing musical chairs with its roster when it really shouldn't. I hope well, they I, think, I hope they don't, but
1: Well, I think they had kind of a rough tournament cycle the last few weeks. And so I think they're just overcracking. Yeah, I wouldn't and, and say maybe, the supports maybe it's for the not problem. An overcrack. Maybe maybe it's just and who knows, maybe it's like a communication issue that's stemming from the supports and this is kind of fixing it but i don't know i guess we'll see like it's it's hard to say until the games start but it really doesn't make sense on paper
0: no uh the super rich and irony have were not a problem last days and super rich especially has been playing great this season so i don't know why you would pull them out for someone else if if teru and neko end up playing I mean, neko hasn't played professionally since like what 2020, 2019. And then Teru, yeah. I wouldn't say really was a standout at all last season. But, I mean, he was yeah. on the Vancouver Titans, so maybe no not his own fault. Yeah, yeah, nobody was a yeah. standout on that team. I don't know. Spark doing funny things. But, Spark, when, when do they not do funny things with their spark roster? Spark
1: doing the Spark
0: thing. Uh, another move that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the Gongs of Charge signed Piggy when they already have an off tank that is playing pretty good thoughts.
1: Yeah. I, it doesn't make sense. You know, when piggy was dropped um, by Houston, we were kind of talking about it and it it like, it didn't make sense for him to get signed on any other team. And so we saw it as like kind of a goodbye to piggy. Oh, well that kind of sucks, you know? And so to see him pop up is kind of cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're, they're, Piggy's back. But but then again, it's like, what role does he play on this team? And I don't think there's, it, it's really anything, you know? Like, it, it really doesn't make sense to me. And I, I would be kind of surprised if we saw any playtime out of Piggy. And I'd be even more surprised if he did anything, if he did get playtime. Yeah. Because he really hasn't looked all that solid this year um but who knows maybe moving to APAC is just what he needed and maybe but i mean it's like
0: it'd be one thing if krong was underperforming this season but he hasn't been so it's like yeah the only thing i can think of is if charge are trying to get a head start on the pelican sweepstakes at the end of the season and hoping to grab pelican once the season ends which then the Piggy signing would make a little bit of sense if they want to sign Pelican to take the place of Choice 01.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the only thing Which I could wouldn't think
1: of. That would be a bad no, swap I, out for them.
0: So it's the only thing I could think of. So I don't expect we'll see a whole lot of Piggy, so I imagine they, there's something planned for them. Uh, and then they also signed Tidola, who was their head coach back in 2020 and 2021, who helped them reach Summer Showdown and Countdown Cup with those two seasons. But he's joined them as an assistant coach. I think this should help them out at least a little bit. I mean, they were doing good at the end of Summer Showdown, so they're in a good position going into Countdown Cup. But, I mean, then again, it's it's not really hard to be in a good position when the team you're competing to not lose your spot to is a team that just dropped their head coach. Uh, Valiant, (laughs) what are you doing?
1: Uh, They're uh, doing Valiant things. (laughs) No, they... uh... Ah. Yeah, they just lost No Hill, right?
0: Yeah, and what's funny is that it's not like they just dropped him. No, his contract finished. Oh, Apparently, No Hill's contract with the Valiant was only signed through August.
1: Who signs a contract? Like, like, who wrote that up? (laughs) Who wrote that up? They know the season goes through November, (laughs) and they're like,
0: yeah, we're going to
1: end that. End of August. Yeah, that's weird.
0: And I mean, so much has come out of Valiant that No Hill has said that he basically worked himself into debt, paying player salaries, and like we know that the Valiant organization that owns them, Immortal, it's it's a terrible franchise, and yeah, uh, Blizzard really needs to do something about this team because like these players should not have to be in this kind of situation, and like your coach shouldn't have to be paying player salaries because the parent organ it because it's like it's not immortals itself it's like the group that immortals has hired, give, to, had manage. hired to manage yeah. so it's like it, immortals has been giving the salary to the company but then the company doesn't give it to the players so like the, 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 this chinese org needs to get out of the league because they are not i mean this is now the second year of mismanaging the crap out of a franchise yeah so uh yeah, I would say this. Ba- this basically is a nail in the coffin for the Valiant. If they do anything after this, I don't. I mean, unlike the other head coaches that left, uh, No Hill was one that was doing okay despite the circumstances. So losing him does not mean yeah. the Valiant are going to do better. Unlike and the other teams,
1: I hope good things come to No Hill. Like it seems like he's been doing well himself and stuff. It's just kind of, kind of a crappy situation very crappy i hope it works out
0: valiant please stop uh enough about team news one other piece of news that dropped what was it yesterday yesterday morning i think playoffs grand finals here it is the news that i've been waiting for lan events boys here it is finally yeah it's a little weird though so like Playoffs October 30th through November 4th. They're going in Anaheim. They'll be in the convention center, but they're only going to have a crowd for the third and the fourth. Even though they'll, I think it was in the community update earlier today. I think it was Sean Miller who said that for the first four days, the 30th through the second, they'll be playing in like a studio environment. They won't actually playing on like the the stage in the mm-hmm. convention center like they do for World Cup. But then for the crowd on the third and the fourth, that's when they'll be in the arena. That we're is all it used the 3rd and the 4th or the 4th and the 5th? Uh, it's the 3rd and the
1: 4th, because 5th is Worlds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The, the, the Overwatch League is having its Grand Finals on a Friday, which, like, isn't That's ideal weird. for a lot of people, but I uh, somewhat understand it, but at the, at the same time, it's like, I'm pretty sure we've known that Worlds was going to be on the 5th for, like, a long time, right? So yeah, it's yeah. weird that the Overwatch League didn't try and, like, schedule their stuff a week later so that they weren't i don't know
1: well i think if they wanted both of them to happen similar times because like there is an advantage you have a lot of gaming fans going to california
0: yeah but you'd put it in san francisco the problem is is
1: you should have put it in san francisco and so that's like
0: when it's like it's one thing from last year because i'm
1: i'm going to League worlds Mm -hmm. i'm planning on it and it would be really great to to go, know, to, both. Able to go to both but just with the distance it's not Well, and it's like
0: last year when worlds was in it was in china right last year yeah it's like uh yeah it, it's like you can if if last year it's like yeah you could have the grand finals of overwatch league in worlds on the same day because time zones are so different but when they're literally both in the u.s and in the same state yeah you know you don't want to be competing with worlds so i mean we don't know if that's the exact reason why it's on a friday but it's a pretty good pretty good although that
1: being said like a lot of the orgs that run overwatch teams also have league teams and stuff and so it makes sense to like i wouldn't be surprised if some of the orgs kind of pushed for that because like if i'm you know cloud nine executive for cloud nine if i'm jack like it would save a lot of time and effort just having them both back to back like that
0: rather than on the same day yeah yeah. Uh, it doesn't really bother me as a college student who doesn't have classes of talent in my week. I don't care. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're all the same day to me. I'm going. Finally, I haven't been to a LAN event in, since the Dallas Fuel homestand in 2019. So Dang. I already got my Airbnb booked and everything. We're ready to go. Here we go. I'm Thank excited. You. Granted, the Outlaws probably aren't going to make it to day five, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: you never know. You, you, Maybe you they'll never... surprise me. For Things... Honestly, I think... I mean, Outlaws are always like one good meta away from winning like crazy.
0: I'm pretty sure they've gotten lucky with several metas this season and they haven't done anything with them.
1: Yeah. But 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 the next good meta, the, is this going is the, be one, the one for sure. <laughs> man, uh that's the Houston oh, night. Uh, All right, enough copium. about
0: news. Let's get into actual stuff that has tangible stuff but also doesn't exist. Let's start with all of the, uh, uh, all of the heated discussion around this battle pass. Uh, first off, what do you think that it's merited? All of the outrage is merited? Or do you think everyone needs to calm down?
1: So oh, it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting situation where, like, I feel like both sides are absolutely and completely wrong and it drives me nuts. <laughs> so... When it comes down to it, it's like Overwatch, like Blizzard has messed up. Like Blizzard's communication in terms of like prepping, like the game comes out in two weeks, yeah. And there ha like, there's been no like big hype about it, and and the reason why is they haven't really been putting the word out. People don't really know what it, what Overwatch Two is. Like I was watching, um, I was watching some random clips earlier, and I think Flats looked at this, um it was a tweet from overwatch or you know or like some generic type tweet just talking about overwatch 2 and all the comments were like oh i can't believe they're making me buy a new game just and and it's like people don't understand what overwatch 2 is and that's blizzard's fault that being said when it comes to the actual battle pass and stuff i think and I've said this from the time they mentioned that there was going to be a battle pass. I think the battle pass system is good. I, I think, you know, it, it makes sense. It's the most like for these lives, like the, you know, live service games. It's like, would you rather be doing this or would you rather be paying a subscription? Like I would pick the battle pass every time. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the only two systems that actually make enough money for a game to stay alive. Um, that being said, I think the most heated part, of course, is the characters within the battle pass being a thing. Mm-hmm. And in terms of locking the characters behind a char- behind the battle pass, it doesn't bother me. But of course, I'm someone that's playing the game enough <sighs> yeah. to get the characters anyway. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to after the nine weeks is up, how long does it take to unlock that character if you didn't get it during the battle pass mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of the real question and and so for all those people out there they're all heated and angry <laughs> i think the biggest thing is is just relax and just let the game come out yeah be hyped spread the word get your friends to play it like because if that is a problem then like they'll get it fixed like i'm not too worried about it like like, let's give it a chance. Let's let the game come out in two weeks, and then we can rage about it if it's bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm on the same boat. I, I think everyone just needs to calm down and let the game come out first, and then if you want to rage about it, you can. Because all we have is just, an, we have information, but it's all like, yeah, sure, this image says that Kiriko is unlocked at level 55 on the free battle pass, but what does that actually mean? Right, yeah, you can do your think, napkin math to be like, Oh, well, based on Overwatch One XP, that's like forty hours of playtime. You're like, But it doesn't mean it's a one to one of Overwatch One. System, yeah. Just let the let the game come out. As somebody who's gonna be buying the battle pass, I frankly don't care. But <laughs> it's not people yeah. like us well, that are angry. And the way
1: I see it and the way I see it, so players that play the game a lot, they'll get the character anyway. Players that don't play the game a lot, like, don't play all the characters they have anyway. So, like, frankly, I don't... It's yeah, hard for it's... me. To sympathize. I play League of Legends. I have, like, maybe half the characters I've been playing for years. I, you know, I don't grind for characters because, like, I have the same, like, 10 characters that I kind of rotate through. And, and that's kind of my group of characters if there's a character you want enough I'm sure it's going to be easy enough to, mm-hmm. to grind for it no matter you know what it's locked behind but and,
0: and everyone like the, the crux of their argument is like oh but Overwatch is about swapping heroes and stuff and it's like is it really though? Is it really though? And the Overwatch team has already said that like for Overwatch 2 they're trying to balance the, balance the roster in a way that you don't have just one counter to something and even like removing yeah. the, this idea of hard counters so that you don't just like by not having a hero you just suddenly lose like that is that is really like the foundation of this argument against paylocking heroes or putting them on the battle pass is that if you don't have the hero or your teammate doesn't you just lose and that's that's yeah. bonk let's let's leave that in in the closet and don't touch it because that's just wrong
1: yeah <laughs> please and I, I think like for the most part I, I have the kind of... This is where we're the heels of Overwatch right now. We're the bad... the Yeah, bad we are. Mean, we really are. Yeah, and the reason why... And, and here's here's where my... You know... My take might be taken as kind of mean. But, like... For all the people that are still playing Overwatch, that still like Overwatch, like the 6v6, stuff like that... Like, good for you, but... The game obviously doesn't work. Obviously it has problems. Mm-hmm. Obviously it wasn't viable long term. And so for all those people freaking out about, you know, losing that, it's like that's already lost. That's already dead. That game doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and in two weeks it's just It official. will actually
0: not exist.
1: Yeah. And and I I think the world will be better for it. No, it's like I it might be. I I think overwatch 2 is just going to be better and it's going to feel more like a real game and and i i think some people are going to really not like that um well then they can just not play it and and that's the thing it's and that being said i think uh i i'm kind of disappointed that we won't have any of the like the pve story mode type stuff yet what are you talking about we get
0: junker we get for the seventh year in a row it's a sequel though. I it'll be fun to play.
1: Yeah, but and it'll be cool, but I wish there was uh I wish we knew how the how that was going to blend in with the monetization cuz like yeah. If they're going to lock those behind like battle passes or something, like it would be good to know that in advance just to kind of like you know, know should I s- set aside some money for when the story mode comes out or you know, Like, I I just wish there was some sort of communication on how that's going to tie into things because they really haven't said anything about it. And originally, when they were first talking about Overwatch 2 stuff, they were exclusively talking about the PvE. And then now it's like they've completely dropped that out of the conversation. And so it'd be good to get a little update on that.
0: Yeah, that's a a good good thing to expect. But in terms of the PvP, PvP and what we're getting in two weeks. Everyone just calm down, let the game come out, and then grab your pitchforks, okay? Because I'm tired of it. Alright.
1: Or instead of a pitchfork, you can grab your kunai knife.
0: Kiriko! Let's go, and- boys. New hero.
1: Woo! And new, more importantly, a new healing hero. New like first time since Batiste. Like- yes. Which is Re- which if you remember batiste came out when goats was still
0: 2019
1: the yeah so that wow uh ass, yeah that's crazy i am so glad and so happy for all the healers out there the supports out there it's support not heals man
0: kiriko genuinely looks like one of the hardest heroes to play upon release.
1: Yeah. Like
0: straight up her kit looks next level crazy. Like this is not one of those where you can just go in and be like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to play this hero. No, her skill floor is so high compared to heroes like mercy and stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's good to add that in the game. It's good to have some of these characters that are, are not made for everyone. And for the first character that is locked in battle pass for new players, it it makes sense that someone like this where it's like it's going to be tricky to play this character and I, if I'm playing the game and I have new players on my team,
0: I don't want I don't them want playing them Kiriko. The yeah.
1: Yeah, and because like I feel like it's going to be really easy to feel like you're doing stuff as Kiriko, but actually you're doing
0: absolutely absolutely nothing nothing. man i mean just like looking at her kit i mean her kit is basically unlike anything we have in the game yeah like her her healing it's like it's like five ammo like her little um what are they what are they called the the ofuda that's probably butchered but like they it like travels slowly and they just like 20 health a piece uh, and it seems like it reloads fairly quickly, but it's like, yeah. what the heck? We have no, that's the only, that's the first healing ability other than like Moira's orb that has to travel to somebody. I guess Briggs' armor pack has to do it. But then like her damage.
1: Yeah.
0: Like triple headshot damage. You two shot a 200 HP target.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, then her other ability, just like everything she has, which with it being such a high skill ceiling to like with this damage thing for example the the two shot kills like you get that in the hands of some of these pro players
0: man if you give shu if you give shu kiriko everybody run
1: (laughs) yeah so by the time kiriko hits overwatch league i imagine She's gonna get some play time, and she's going to be one of those characters. I I imagine her being kind of like Genji, where like every year at some point we're gonna see Kiriko. Like mm-hmm. there's always going to be a room, you know, in some metas for Kiriko, just because like if you have such a high skill ceiling, like some of those players can just. It's going to be crazy. And and it's like
0: you go into Ladder and it's like she only does 40 damage a body shot. So it's like if you're not hitting headshots, you shouldn't be playing Kiriko. You're not going to be doing enough damage. And like her teleport, like teleporting through walls, Reaper's the only one that can teleport. And that guy's got to have line of sight. Yeah. And then, of course, we get another invulnerability, you know, ability, which honestly, I. A lot of people are worried about this. I think it's good because, I mean, it's like literally three quarters of a second
1: yeah and i think the coolest part about this is it's the first cleanse the game's ever had oh it's full cleanse yeah i wasn't
0: entirely sure like to what extent it was cleansing but then they did like the developer update about her and i was like i I went in i was like okay so it clears things probably like sleep it clears things like bio nades clears things of that nature, but then they were like, oh, it's also a good counter for sleep dart, and I went, what? Wait.
1: Yeah, and I think it also, any stuns...
0: Yeah, I was um, under the opinion that Shatter, it was... I think it...
1: I think it counters shatter. If you get stunned from shatter, it, you immediately step up.
0: Like, if you're if frozen... Right. if Like, if you're frozen in a blizzard, can you just walk out? I mean, it's only .75 seconds, but if you're right I on mean, the edge...
1: if that hits you, I think it resets the freezing, so you would go from not frozen at all to
0: being able to leave. You'll be flowed.
1: Yeah. So. Like,
0: and what if you're in a grav?
1: I think it might get you out of the grav. Because
0: like currently in grav, if you're in a grav, if you're Reaper or Moira, you can't like fade out, right? You, you can't get out of grav. But if you're hit yeah. by Kiriko's ability, are you do you now have a split second where you can now just fade out and just get out? Like
1: They didn't grav- show that. Yeah, I, I think Grav is probably not.
0: But, but I mean, haven't it,
1: really said either way. It's because like it, it, it did say in the video, like, most debuffs or whatever. So it's like...
0: Like, does it clear hack? There there like, have got
1: to be some exceptions, but I, I don't know what they are. It's just, are. it's
0: crazy. and But it's it's on, like, a 15-second cooldown, and it's, like, a projectile that you have to hit, and it's only 0.75 seconds. Like, three-quarters of a second... So, it's, it, this is like a real skill shot, and you've got to see things coming. So, yeah. and then her ult, it, like, this is the first ability of its kind, where it basically just speeds the whole game up to ridiculous speeds. And if you paired this with, like, an Orisa bongo, you're now attacking, like super quick as well as doing like multiple times damage and you're running qu- uh, we're just yeah. gonna be playing well, supersonic Overwatch. like
1: reinhardt for example his swings are faster you have a reinhardt <laughs> running at you faster than he would with a double swinging- speed boost <laughs> yeah he's over Man, here just like that, cutting grass that is the overwatch this overwatch league this is gonna be so fun playoffs playoffs meta it's going to be reinhardt it's going to be kiriko with lucio it's gonna be lucio and it's gonna be Meg. And... yes <laughs> just and, running uh, at people <laughs> london spitfire will win and it's gonna I, be I, like wonderful. kiriko's kit
0: is just it just looks fun and i cannot wait to watch it in the hands of the pros come the playoffs because yeah.
1: like, i think in solo play like so much of it relies on good team play mm-hmm. uh hitting your shots, you know, making value. Her heals, they aren't terrible from what it looks like, but she doesn't heal as much as most No, players. she really... She's more utility healer. She's
0: utility and, like, the ability to, to, to teleport to teammates through walls while having an immortality, I feel like that's going to be her major playstyle as kind of peeling. Like, she's yeah. not going to po- she's not gonna be good as a pocket. Like, you're not going to survive as a Reinhardt with a Kiriko pocket. But if you're a Genji and you're going off on a flank and you're like trying to take a duel and you're losing, well, your Kiriko can literally just come to you and give you health. Because like her her protection, Suzu, like it gives you like 50 health. Like it it heals you as well as makes you invulnerable to damage for a little bit. So like she can help duelists take duels that otherwise would not be like possible. No other support has that kind of range and utility if you're behind a wall.
1: I don't know about you, but the way I'm gonna play her, if I, you know, ever play support, oh no, go. So you know how like flank yada is totally a thing. Uh huh. So you just flank Kiriko. You just go around, and by the time people notice you, you just teleport back (laughs) out of here, and then join your team. Boom. But like if you're if you're behind enemies getting headshots two shots you should be able to kill at least one of them before they notice you if you can
0: aim yeah
1: if you can aim
0: if you can aim
1: (laughs) and if they don't but if they don't know you're there
0: you have lots of dodging and you can
1: climb walls and you can climb walls so like are certain maps that you can kind of just get behind the enemies without them really you know.
0: it's gonna be fun i'm excited
1: and lo- and i'm not talking you know high level play with that strat yeah, no. that's obviously that's obviously a you know gold player gold player no only one has strats. any awareness so yeah it's gonna be a i, shame I cannot wait for
0: fun. her to come out i mean people are sad that she's not included for countdown cup but honestly it wouldn't make any sense for her to be included in countdown cup by the time kiriko is released and available for comp countdown cup will be over yeah so there's no problem i just it's It's like this is one of those few times like where they yeah, it's like a brand new hero being released before playoffs, but I'm like excited for this hero before playoffs. Unlike when Sigma was released, you're like, what is what are you doing? Or like in 2020 when they decided to just suddenly make Roadhog meta for no reason. Kiriko being meta, you know, being a release going into playoffs, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun to watch.
1: And I I'm just the one concern about the first like high level pro play. With Kiriko um being for the actual playoffs is like if she is like broke for pro play. Send it. Because there's always that possibility. Bring it. And I want if it. If she is, it's like I want it. It would be nice for it them like... to have time to nerf it
0: a little bit. Well, but... and it's like when you think about it, I don't think the way that Kiriko's kit is like set up, I don't know what because like the biggest problem that we always have when heroes are released and in a broken state we'll just take junker queen for instance she like enabled a playstyle, enabled a comp i don't yeah. know what comp kiriko would enable like i don't know imagine that there would be like a one trick comp it just kiriko would just be involved in every comp there as opposed to having you know another you know jotes or goats like meta but i mean maybe i could be wrong. there could be hero interactions yeah. that are just unseen we'll, right now but
1: we'll have to uh we'll have to see what comes of it
0: but she's not for Countdown Cup. We have other things to worry about. Like the fact that um Blizzard, where are our patch notes? We're literally two days out from the start of Countdown Cup, and all we have are leaks. Please. <laughs>
1: Help me.
0: Help. All we have I guess you, uh... All we have are these leaked patch notes and Korea content Korean contenders B-sides. <laughs> we know nothing about what's happening in Scrims. Different players are saying different things and it's not lining up with what we're seeing in contenders. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so let's look at these patch notes, which based on what Avril has said is happening in Korean contenders, seems to these patch notes seem to be generally what's happening. So I haven't
1: seen these. Can you send them to me?
0: Uh yes. Get me give me hang on. So there's We'll just kind of we'll go through these one by one. So the first biggest change is a general change that, honestly, I'm surprised it's taken this long to implement. Uh, temporary health, so like overshields, overhealth, now, it now actually gives you ult charge. 50% the amount that you would get from normal health, but better than none. So, I mean, this essentially makes Wrecking Ball just like an ult battery in the same way Roadhog is. Yeah. Uh, And also is just kind of a direct like nerf to Junker Queen's overhealth, regardless of the like the other nerfs that are down here, like that hundred overhealth when it was, you know, if it, if these buffs weren't like if the nerfs that are down here didn't exist, this alone would all would make like that Junker Queen sustain comp. There'd be a lot of ults being built off of that.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think it would be enough to. No, it single handedly wouldn't be enough, but it, it would change it helps. the gameplay a little bit. It
0: would speed things up even faster. Yeah. Uh, Batiste got changes. He does a little bit more damage, and his fall off is now further. So Shu is sh- cackling in a corner. Look out. Shu may be out for blood after being benched for a stage and his team not doing very well. Uh, um, Bastion gets his ironclad passive bath for his wheel modes. Oh I don't imagine it's going to be enough to put him into meta, but I mean, it's I'll a, it, it's a fun be change.
1: It'll nice for solo queue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> solo queue. bash in wheel, wheel mode. Uh, Briggs, a spot in inspire duration reduced from six to five seconds. I think that now creates a fun over an uh, interesting overlap because whip shot is what a six second cooldown, right? Thanks. So, so now I mean, inspire yeah. doesn't last as long as the whip shot cooldown, which is what was typically used as like a default way of keeping it up. So now you have it down for a second. D.Va has now been turned into an assassin.
1: Oh my god! 15 gosh.
0: extra damage on booster impacts, and one less second on micro-missiles, and then, I mean, calling her mech when she's in baby diva form, that doesn't really change anything. But I mean, you now deal basically an eighth of, of someone's health of, like, squishies immediately on impact. On top of your micro-missiles, on top of your primary file, on top of a melee.
1: Which I think is a good change. Cause I feel like Diva Diva is a hard character to figure out where she belongs in overwatch Two, mm-hmm. And I think
0: making her an assassin tank her, dive tank of sorts is a niche that doesn't exist. Yeah. Because Winston yeah, like doesn't that. deal any burst a whole lot. he relies no. on other people. Wrecking ball doesn't have a whole lot of burst and he's vulnerable for some of it. So Diva. And,
1: and I don't like the idea of like, just making her tankier i like going the other way where it's like okay she's going to be the high damage she she
0: now she now competes with doomfist if you're wanting a high impact instant burst delete a target you run diva with dive heroes just like you would doomfist i think this is a fun change for her
1: yeah i don't know if it'll put her in the pro meta at all uh it could
0: i guess it depends on the kind of comp you're wanting to run because i think if you're wanting to go for an insta delete I think you would run a Diva over a Winston or whatever, because you'd be able to quickly kill something a little faster. But yeah. Winston does have the bubble, so I guess it depends on what you're running against if you want Defense Matrix. So, but I think this will help her be seen a little more. She won't be kind of a, an odd pick. Uh, but then the nerfs that we were all looking for, the Junker Queen nerfs. And honestly, this is kind of what we... We talked about it a little bit. So, like, the Commanding Shout only gives 50 health as opposed to 100. Uh, it only lasts for three seconds on allies and no longer decays, so it's literally just three seconds, fifty health, and the cooldown yeah. is increased to fifteen she seconds she from eleven. She still
1: gives herself one hundred, though, right? For the... I
0: think so because it said allied health bonus, so I think she still gives herself hundred, and it still lasts for five seconds. Uh, but it like removes her in, her like team play. The like what allowed the 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 Junker Queen comp to work is it's now been removed, and then you. Combine that with the fact that now all of that overhealth gives ult charge. Let's just say that there has been very little Junker Queen played in Korean contenders.
1: Which I think is a good thing. Is a good thing (laughs) after what we saw. Like, like even if they end up having to, you know, buff her a little bit as time goes on. It's good to have a break from her. Yes. You know.
0: Uh, And then Arisa got tanky.
1: Big and and got two extra.
0: two less seconds off her javelin from eight to six seconds. Um. Ah, uh, personally, the problem that I have with Arissa is she doesn't really do anything. Like she doesn't. She has like zero utility. Like she, she she's she's.
1: Nah,
0: but not to the same she extent.
1: She has a projectile block,
0: kinda. It's just she's just in an odd spot. Like these are probably yeah. these are probably good buffs, but it's like hard to. I don't imagine she'll get a whole lot of play time just because like what does she do for her team? Like all of the other tanks give like some nice like incentive to play, but it's like the only thing that you would use Orisa for theoretically is like a rush comp. But like Reinhardt works so much better than yeah. an Orisa because he has a actual shield,
1: and you yeah, can't I bunker could with see her. her uh one thing i was thinking about with arisa is if um and i know uh kiriko isn't in this you know this next tournament cycle or anything Mm -hmm. but once kiriko hits the game so kiriko she decreases cooldowns and stuff do you know if she increases the speed at which abilities go off
0: uh from the gameplay that i was seeing it doesn't look like it it just okay. looks like because the cooldown is de is the cooldown is speeds up essentially
1: okay because if it did increase the pace at which you do an ability arisa ult would be kind of kind of <laughs> crazy because what you do you speed in there using kiriko's ult, and, and you, then you run ult, it off
0: in like two seconds
1: and, yeah and then just kill the entire enemy team and it'll be beautiful i don't think it would be more efficient than orion
0: no just it would sweet, just be just a hammer, lot funnier
1: <laughs> it would be a lot funnier and a lot more enjoyable. that's that's actually really um, funny
0: i i hope we see a little bit more Arissa because i mean the only Arissa gameplay we really saw was in the kickoff clash when justice pulled it out and shock were like what was that <laughs>
1: Yeah, and everyone was like, what was that?
0: Everyone was, what was that? Uh, Reaper got a, a buff in that his spread was decreased from 8 degrees to 7 degrees. Cool. I think it was Custa talking about how in the alpha, Reaper's spread was either at 7 or it was at 6, and there was a whole lot of Reaper played. And I feel like we could see a little bit more Reaper played, but then again, the reason why Reap, we saw a lot of Reaper in the kickoff clash was because of like the DPS like speed passive. But with that no longer being around, Reaper, I don't think like yeah, you would probably be able to hit more shots, but I I still don't think you are able to play him quite as often, but he'll probably have some place in comps.
1: Yeah. Especially in you know, Ryan comps with May.
0: Ryan and Zarya comps primarily. Yeah uh sojourn only gets 50% rail energy from oh, non-players so barriers turrets but i mean there weren't a whole whole lot of barriers to begin with it just makes her a little less yeah, effective against sigma and ryan so- comps
1: oh and it, yeah it makes playing shield characters into sojourn not feel so bad because it used to be that you were just giving her free one shots pretty much yeah um in, in pro play at least they I'm, want I'm her sorry. to actually
0: deal damage to get what she needs yeah
1: and I like that.
0: It is a good change. And then finally, and apparently this buff is major in terms of what we're seeing in Korean contenders. So Sombra's hack locking out abilities has been increased from just one second of no abilities to almost two to one point seven five seconds. Wow! I think that what we've been seeing in Korean contenders B sides seems to suggest that this this buff is quite significant because if you pair that with like Diva's changes because before sombra wasn't very useful because you'd hack and by the time your teammates got there to like follow up on the hack the person was unhacked and they would just leave or like with emp it was like the emp really did nothing but now like 1.75 seconds that's more than enough time for an overwatch league team to kill somebody especially if divas like jumping in there and then you run like a throw a genji or a tracer at them and then you Run a Lucio speed boost, and if you discord orb them or anti heal them, I mean, that player's dead. And then, of course, it fixed the bug of Junker Queen's stacking commanding shout by peeking. But
1: (laughs) I don't know how I feel about those somber changes. I, uh, in a
0: good way or a bad way,
1: in a bad way, I'm not a huge somber fan. I think that's just because every
0: time we've seen her try to be played, it's essentially a troll pick.
1: Well, but no, like even in the past in Overwatch 1, it's like, even when she's good, I just don't love watching Sombra.
0: Well, this Sombra would play very differently from Overwatch 1 Sombra, because Overwatch 1 Sombra That's was really like, hack the tank, build EMP, win a fight with EMP. But now it seems to be Sombra is moved into more of an assassin category, where it's like, hack the player, call it out to your team, and kill the player. Like, her kit isn't built around EMP anymore. It's built around Getting a pick at the start of the fight, so instead of like getting a sojourn headshot, you get a hack on the enemy Zen or Anna and just run them over. Because I mean, if you hack an Anna and she can't use sleep dart or nade for two seconds, she's dead, hundred percent guaranteed. She's dead. Whereas before it was like Sombra wouldn't really always hack Anna's because they didn't re- supply the most ult charge, but now I I think you we don't know I, I we know nothing about what's being run in scrims like. Kaluj was saying that it was like Arisa Diva or something, and but then Hadi was like, "No, it's Ball Winston," and then Korean Contenders is playing everything under the sun. Uh, I think we could be going going to a. Me- I mean, it's like if what if if what is happening in Korean Contenders is what we get for Countdown Cup. We're literally blowing the doors off of what's possible to be played.
1: <laughs> yeah. It could be... Because we were
0: seeing a... everything from Sigma to D.Va. From Double Hit Scan to Tracer Sombra to Doomfist. Like, everything was being played almost. Which makes it very difficult to figure out what the heck is going to happen this week.
1: Which, I, I like that. I like variety. I like teams having options and being able to play what fits them. And I think that goes in line with what... Blizzard keeps saying their goal with this is.
0: Yeah. I mean if we end up with Countdown Cup being a super open meta, then I would say Blizzard has succeeded in their quest to try and make every hero viable to an extent. Like, yeah, obviously there will be soft counters. Like Doomfist will always be soft countered by Sombra. That's just a fact. Yeah. But you're still able to outplay the Sombra with Doom if you're able to do it right, or if you just put like a Cassidy on your team or something like that.
1: I think, well, and one of the big things is No matter what, there's always going to be like in pro play, there's always going to be um, like a meta that forms where it's like, you know, one or two comps are the best. And so the fact that we've gotten as much variety as we have, like with at the same time, like if you look at the first couple tournaments, like Mm -hmm. there was so much variety. And, and the fact that that happened at pro play in any game is kind of nuts. Um, and, it's a very and so unique think, Overwatch. Yeah, and I think it's awesome. And it shows that, you know, things are looking good for Overwatch. I, I think, like, I, I just, I, I would love if um the, if more people watched it. You know, I I I hope that with the advent of Overwatch two coming out, mm-hmm. uh, more people play the game. And I mean, just looking at like it looks like Overwatch content in general is getting like more people are watching. Even though Blizzard isn't doing great at advertising, I feel like the word is getting round somewhat that like this is coming out and people are excited. And I I think you know, Overwatch League could see a benefit from it. That's That's the hope.
0: That's the hope. But unfortunately, we just don't have have patch notes, but from the looks of things, it looks like we could be in for some serious chaos in the good way. Yeah. But because there's no patch notes and we have no idea what's being played, you can't really do power rankings, can you? So instead, why don't we take a look at the Countdown Cup and actually what it's going to mean for some teams. What teams... Need to be kind of stepping up if they want to have things happen. If they don't want their season to end here, so Countdown Cup is not going to have a normal seasonal uh, normal tournament at the end. It'll just go right into play-ins. So looking at the standings, obviously Shock Fuel and Glad's they're guaranteed at least a spot in the playoffs as to what their seeding will be. That's not terribly important for Countdown Cup purposes. So what we're looking at is four through six, and then seven through ten. So like. The team, everyone everyone in above, like, 8th and above is essentially still in the running for top 6. Technically 9. I mean, like, Boston is the only one that's really not because they're only at 6 points, and there's no way they can even get to the highest they can hope for is 7th. So, we're looking at Outlaws, Spitfire, Defiant, Rain, Mayhem, and Justice are all somewhat close to those top 6. Obviously, there's some buffer for... There's more buffer for some teams than others. Like, Outlaws are very much in control of their own destiny if they want guaranteed playoffs. I mean, they have a three point buffer between them and the Spitfire, who are in fifth, with 16 points compared to Spitfire's three. So, really, all Outlaws have to do is win like three games and they're guaranteed playoffs if they want to have full control over their, you know, what they do. Uh, If they only win two, well, then that puts them at 18, but Spitfire would still have to go five and one same with defiant so the outlaws as long as they literally don't just fall to pieces and win like nothing they're in a safe spot it's when we start looking at spitfire downwards that it gets it gets really close like so
1: random side note is there any chance that vancouver oh i guess i was looking at the wrong thing i was looking at map map differential so like there is a world in which Boston gets knocked out and Vancouver makes it in, right?
0: Correct. Vancouver would have to win
1: th- Oh, but they have crazy tough games this Vancouver this- would
0: have to win Vancouver would have to win 3 more games than Boston because if they only win 2 more and they're tied at points, Boston has the head-to-head. Uh, but it would also go map differential, I believe. Uh, mid-season to regional play So it's cumulative league points match win percentage, which is an odd one, but the interesting thing is it's match win percentage, and it doesn't say regular season match win percentage. So that includes playoffs, like tournaments. And because Titans also lost two games in the summer showdown, that means that their win percentage is lower. Than Boston's, even if they have the same number of wins and the same number of league points, so Titans would have to just straight up have more points than Boston. So they'd have to win three. They would have to go at least three and three, and Boston would have to go would have to go winless. So Titans are not, and it's not looking. Titans
1: have some crazy games.
0: Titan, it's not looking good for Titans, and even New York. New York,
1: they're playing Glads and Atlanta. Yeah.
0: So, realistically, our top 10 is set. The only thing that's going to change is seating. So, when we're looking at, like, the fourth place slot is pretty much clinched up by the Outlaws. So, we're looking at two more spots for guaranteed play-ins. And that's currently up in the air for about four teams. For London, Toronto, Atlanta, and Florida are all two points away from each other. Yeah. London plays all three of the big three, which is unfortunate. Oh, my goodness. Almost in a row as well. I think London play, like, two of them and then play, like, New York and then play the, the, the third. So London's probably looking at a 3 and 3 stage, unless, like, Glad's who are shocked, don't show up, which is entirely yeah. possible.
1: Which could happen. Could Especially happen. coming on meta. Like, I mean, we've talked about Fuel in the past. Mm-hmm. I feel like going into any tournament cycle, it's always the same question. Is Is it a hive
0: mind meta? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's probably safe to just go off the assumption that London's only winning three games at best. Like,
1: yeah, but they'll definitely win those three because they're
0: playing Paris, Vancouver, New York. York. So London probably is going to be 16 points, which doesn't put them over outlaws. So probably best London can hope for is fifth is, is the fifth seed. But Defiant is tied with them as well, but they are a win back. So London does have the tiebreaker over Toronto. So as long as they win the same number of games as Toronto, they will guaranteed to be over them. Uh, and Toronto, Toronto,
1: Toronto, Toronto playing,
0: plays Outlaws. They play least, Rain, and then they have four relatively easier games, don't they? Uh,
1: oh no, they have Shock.
0: Oh Shock, well. okay.
1: So they could go three and three as well.
0: They could, yeah. They and-
1: they're playing Florida, and I always...
0: Florida's always got upset potential.
1: Florida's always got upset potential, especially the last week of the season before. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: when, For Defiant, I think that the, the, their game against Rain this week is really going to set a tone for this stage, because if they lose to Rain, then Rain will jump them and suddenly Defiant on the outside looking in, trying to play into play-ins, while also still having shock and outlaws on their schedule. So their game against Rain this week is really going to be a big one because if they win, well then that puts them two point that puts them two games ahead of the Rain and comfortably ahead as long as they don't just screw up. Uh, and then Rain and Florida, twelve points for Rain, eleven points Rain for Mayhem.
1: Shock and Dallas this stage. Rain. Yeah. So.
0: So they're probably looking at best they're looking four at and two. Probably
1: four and two, but a lot of that comes down to the Toronto game as well.
0: Best case four and two for rain. Best case for defiant, probably also four and two. Mm-hmm. They
1: could go five and one if they beat the
0: outlaws, uh, depending on what the, if the outlaws have anything to play for in the final week. Yeah, uh, but they're definitely losing a shock, so a rain. But the problem is' it's like defiant's best chance, you know, I di- probably are going four and two. That puts them at 17 points. Outlaws are winning at least one game. Uh, well, they can't jump outlaws. Rain's best hope is probably four and two. They can't jump outlaws with that. mayhem. Would require a miracle to jump outlaws. Uh, it seems like the cutoff is going to be probably 16 points. Looking at where London and Toronto both are, both probably going three and three, four and two. If they're it's probably going to be 16 points for automatic qualification for playoffs. And rain would have to win all of their winnable games and not lose to Defiant. Like their game against Def- if they lose to Defiant, they can almost kiss. Guarantee playoffs so goodbye in
1: other words, what we're saying is looks pretty good for London
0: it looks good for London by default because <laughs> yeah. the teams below like, them have to play harder teams
1: yeah well it, well and London's playing hard teams but, but they, they have a cushion they've gone and they've got the cushion
0: they've got the guaranteed at least three and three
1: like they yeah. they
0: Technically, yeah, they could jump outlaws, but it would require outlaws to like not win a single game and for London to I win don't... one of the unwinnable ones almost.
1: Yeah, I I But
0: I mean top six what for London. So?
1: The top six is awesome. Top six
0: for London. And I mean if London and Florida both are able to get in top six, that'd be crazy. If you if someone from the beginning of the season saw that, they'd think that you were on some kind of crack cocaine. <laughs> and then Titans Excelsior, Eternal, yeah, nope. Just I'm sorry, but there is no hope for you
1: yeah goodbye <laughs> i mean but the thing is uh, the thing about these three teams is because the bar is so low for them like if they win any games against i someone, mean titans are win games and if they win games against people that are higher than them that could change everything they can play
0: our- they can play upset they can definitely play yeah. upset and, this and week
1: so i think When it comes down to it, it's like, do they have anything to play for for themselves in the season? No. But (laughs) could they have a huge impact on things and mess my dreams up as a London fan? Yes.
0: That would be so funny if Titans New York and Paris just went, screw you, London, and just took them down and, like, dropped London out of guaranteed playoffs.
1: Yeah, that would uh, not be funny. But um...
0: (laughs) Moving over to the chaos that is APAC, uh, Dragons and Dynasty are so far ahead, it's not even funny. uh but then we have i mean apex teams are pretty much set because valiant are dropping no hill they're basically out of hope so really what it is is who's going to take that third that three seed because spark and fusion are both tied but spark has two more wins than fusion fusion just have gotten lucky with the tournament you know placements getting second in the kickoff clash really helped them out so spark and fusion it, I mean, this last tournament cycle, it's really just whoever wins more games gets the three seed.
1: But with Sparks' recent changes, it's like I wouldn't feel super confident no. as a Spark fan. And, and I think with Fusion... As long then, as they play
0: MN3, they're fine.
1: Yeah, and they've been <laughs> playing him recently, and when he's in, they're looking pretty good. And so I think if Carpe doesn't play... It, it's
0: fusion should be the three seed, I would
1: say it should be fusion. Fusion should A-Pack be the three seed, weird, so
0: and then spark will be the four seed because I mean, they're five points ahead of the hunters and yeah. six points ahead of the charge. There's like almost no feasible way for them to fall lower, so it'll probably be spark. And then honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see charge jump hunters into the fifth seed, but I mean, at the end of the day, four through six in APAC, does it really matter your seeding? Not really. I mean, it's just three teams. You're going to play each other all anyways. It's a double limb bracket, I'm pretty sure. So you're going to end up playing anybody anyways. APAC is like, we're getting to the point in the season where APAC is starting to become a little bit predictable, hopefully. But we say that, and then this week is just going to become a mess.
1: Yeah, you never never really know.
0: (laughs) But NA, I mean, uh, GLAD's Fuel Shock are probably in their order. I don't imagine they change at all. Outlaws are where they are. It's just going to be who gets that fifth and sixth seed. And then where does everyone else fall? Yeah, and I would hope that London doesn't. I mean, they're in a good position for top six. I hope they don't beef one of their games. Typically, they don't. They're, London isn't a team known to beef winnable games, so they're fine. Defiant and Rain, on the other hand, are known to beef winnable games. They do it pretty often. So are the Outlaws, but the Outlaws are in a position where even if they beef the winnable games, they're still probably yeah, fine. It doesn't
1: matter. They,
0: so, so you know, yeah, it is what it is. I'm excited for this week. So. Usually before the start of each tournament we like go through and we do like, oh well we'll just pred all the NA games. Well unfortunately this week APAC is also playing and I'm not about to pred twenty games. So yeah, we're treating it normal. like normal. The good old five games to pred. Are are you ready for some for some oh, game yeah. preds? All right, starting off, probably one of the most meaningful ones this week. Atlanta Rain, Toronto Defiant. And
1: potentially the most meaning one this whole tournament cycle.
0: Uh potentially.
1: Potentially, in terms of, like, setting the pace and
0: stuff. So, Defiant Rain is interesting, because it's like, have Rain gotten their mojo back, and did Defiant just kind of get lightning in a bottle last stage? Because if we're running into a Sombra meta, Hisu plays a decent Sombra, but I feel like Defiant are going to have to go back to, like, their switching tanks, because uh, we don't know what tank is going to be played. Is it going to be Winston? Is it going to be Zarya? Are you going to be playing Muse? Are you going to be playing Hotba? And then are you playing Finale? Or are you playing Although? I feel like Defiant has a lot more question marks over the course of their roster, whereas Rain, you would expect to know who's coming out. Like, it's probably going to be Kai, Speedily, Hawk, Ultraviolet, OG.
1: Yeah, and I feel like...
0: And this game matters, and Rain shows up in important games. And I feel you like know, this is an important game. Yeah,
1: and if you look at the two teams on paper, I think Atlanta has the advantage overall. You know, even though if you look at win loss, Atlanta's down. Um, I think Atlanta is the better team when it comes down to it. And I think that matters most at the beginning of it mm-hmm. tournament cycle a lot of times, like because i I feel like Atlanta's able to like adjust a lot easier than Toronto will. You so know.
0: we're both leaning rain on this one both leaning we're on Atlanta. Leaning.
1: also they weren't in the last tournament they had some time to like fix hopefully and speedily has more time with races. the team yeah and that could be huge you know and and so yeah i i think good things are coming for atlanta Good things are coming for atlanta games. also as a london fan <laughs> toronto losing games is a good thing
0: it is Getting Toronto off your back a little bit uh, will be good because Spitfire start the stage with one or two easy matches, right? Because they play they play Titans this week, so if Spitfire able to win and Defiant lose, well then Spitfire now gain a two point lead over Defiant and Rain and put themselves in better positions. Let's now jump back over to the chaos of APAC, Chengdu Hunters and the Hangzhou Spark. Uh, huh? I don't I don't know. <laughs>
1: Hey, why is this a match we are prepping APAC always kills me Um, um I feel like with the recent Hangzhou spark things though I'm gonna go with the, the hunters
0: so am I I feel like leave will find a way to just make sure this team doesn't lose and with what the patch notes looks like and what it's leaning towards it doesn't look like shy is gonna have as much of an opportunity to just win games on and Sojourner they're gonna, Ash
1: they're gonna come out with a bastion
0: the shy Cara. Bastion or the Chengdu?
1: Chengdu. Oh, they're gonna, gonna go, gonna go be with Farah Bastion. Fara, Bastion.
0: No, Jinmu's gonna play Sombra and like miss all of his EMPs, but leave is gonna carry anyway. That's probably what's more yeah. likely to happen. That's true. Let's be honest.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think just right now with with the chaos
0: hunters thrive in chaos. Yeah, chaos is their middle and... name. Chengdu chaos hunters. Yeah. All right. Stick in an APAC. <laughs> um. For some reason, the scriptwriters have decided to put the Omega Banger Week 1, Dragon's Dynasty, version 4 of the regular season matchup, version, like, 7 or 8, 9. I don't know how many. They've played, like, 9 or 10 times this season. Yeah. This will be the last one, though, before playoffs. The final one. So the last three times they've met, Dynasty have won two maps. They are 2 and... What ten <laughs> on maps? It, it was not very good in their matchup against Dragons last stage, and I think Dragons win it again.
1: I think Soul win it this time. I think it's a meta shift. Last tournament cycles behind us, and I think I I just have a good feeling that going into this next stage, Soul is. I'm putting
0: my eggs cool. in the Lip Sombra.
1: Yeah, which which.
0: If anyone's Very able to destroy tanks, another dude. team with Sombra, it's Lip.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, But I do think Dynasty probably have the advantage in the tank department because Smurf is able to play all of them, yeah, whereas Dragons will have to swap. That's, so, yeah. And we'll probably get to see Eris debut for the, the Dynasty if Flex supports are back in the meta. Because uh, I don't imagine we're going to see Prophet Brig again. Uh, <laughs> that experiment not. is over. So, But we get a, another storied matchup In this rivalry, even though the last three matchups Have not been particularly close uh, Jumping back over to North America Florida Mayhem, Boston Uprising uh, I feel like this one could be interesting Uprising ended the, the Summer Showdown On a high note Taking down the Titans, but then Mayhem Like, surprised everybody At the Summer Showdown in their lower bracket run So yeah. I don't know
1: yeah, I'm kind of, I'm leaning Florida on this one. Um, I I just I feel I, like I, I just yeah. don't trust Boston enough to pred them against anyone. Same here. Higher than them in the standings. Like I think they could win, but the way I see it, it's like a sixty forty. I think Florida wins sixty percent of the time.
0: Yeah, and because I mean Boston has looked good with their west more western lineup with Crimson Punk and then Seeker played out of his mind against Titans. Yeah. But I feel like in this first week with all the chaos, Gumba's going to pull something weird out. Like Gumba and McGravy are going to pull some dumb stuff out again. Because I mean, literally mayhem were the only team that was experimenting in the summer showdown. Whereas everyone else was doing the permanent junker queen stuff. They're like, but what if we played on a Zen and it worked? (laughs) I think think they'll do it again
1: to do stuff like that. Eh,
0: Yeah. And, and the...
1: Sir Majed won't have visa issues getting into Canada because these won't be in Canada. So that definitely is a, a
0: <laughs> good thing. Playoffs are in California. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no more international travel for Majed. And then finally, the last game of the week, Predding, going back over to Asia. Spark Fusion. Uh, I'm believing in fusion. Hopefully, please don't play Carpe. Please.
1: Yeah, okay? I mean, we've don't play Carpe. About these two teams, and it's boring to pre the same thing. But I'm going to like. Just don't
0: play Carpe. If I see Carpe come out, I'm going to have problems, okay? Now, granted, it's like MN3 probably won't be playing as much hitscan. I wouldn't be surprised if MN3 was the one playing Sombra and Zest was playing the Genji or the Tracer because it seems like that's what a lot of teams are doing is like Sombra with Genji or Tracer. But some have been doing it with hitscan, so it's going to be interesting to see what... Who te- if Sombra is is what a lot of teams play, wh- who teams decide to put on Sombra if it's their flex DPS or their hit scan, and I guess it kind of depends on if they want to go heavy dive or if they want to like have the long range. You know, I I don't know. This week will be weird. I don't know what's happening because I look at the Outlaws specifically and I'm like, guys, if Sombra's meta are, are, is Dante playing Sombra, but if Dante plays Sombra, who's playing tank? Dojan Ping.
1: Uh, I love how Dante on Liquipedia is still listed as DPS. DPS? (laughs) (laughs) I, uh...
0: Thankfully, Outlaws are playing Boston this week. But then again, that is the definition of a Houstonable game. But we say that, but Outlaws have only lost like one winnable game this season, and that was to New York. So, to be fair, I'm just, I'm, I'm just very... Worried about w- what Jake and Junkbuck have cooking up in the back room. Because I don't know if Doge is in North America or not. Because if he's not in North America, then you have to play Dante and Tank. But that yeah. means you're playing Doomfist. Into a lot of Sombra, probably. And I don't like that matchup.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would... I, I've just got to say, I would love to see some Doge. I, I think...
0: I, it just depends on if he's I in NA. We haven't, it, I haven't heard yeah. anything, so that tells me he's not outlaws i wouldn't be surprised if outlaws just went back to playing doomfist or maybe dante's been learning zarya maybe outlaws will play weird things but what i want to see london go back to ryan i think if there was ever a week where reinhardt would be the play this would be the week
1: (laughs) just run the reinhardt out (laughs) i would be surprised if they didn't bring out reinhardt at least at least once this week you know because i mean you're
0: playing titans What's the worst yeah, thing I well, think? and
1: it's like it seems like the meta's all up in the air. Everyone's kind of shaking, shaking off their the Junker Queen meta and trying to figure out what to do. And you know what a time, ta- what a great time to bring out something that you know you can play better than anyone else,
0: especially against a team like the Titans. Especially
1: against the Titans.
0: So just bring it out, just bring it out, Spitfire. Just go back to Ryan May. I don't know what Sparker would play. I guess you could play. S- sojourn still but i mean you could play reaper if you wanted to just yeah. run it down mid but i mean, i i imagine this week we will probably see almost every tank outside of maybe like ball and orisa because those two
1: it's going to be an orisa But we're just going to run out there, with orisa didn't didn't Kluge say that orisa was a uh, was the pick right now
0: i mean he did but how much do we really trust collusion? I mean, Hottie oh, said... not
1: very much,
0: but... Hottie said Ball was meta. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about that one.
1: <laughs> I guess we'll see. Could be, could be anything. <laughs>
0: could be anything. We've got a full loaded... I mean, this is the first time week one APAC and NA are both playing matches. Started on Thursday, so this is the first loaded opening week of a stage, and we're now in the final countdown. Sounds to-
1: exhausting.
0: I'm ready for it. Bring it on. We're in the home stretch. I hope everybody enjoys the madness that ensues this week to kick off the Countdown Cup. We will catch you next week as we recap it all.
1: Bye.